showing you how to reignite the embers of a distant and lonely relationship into a blazing, emotionally intimate connection. I'm your host, Amber Dawson. I'm a psychologist, author, and speaker. A few of my favorite things are my husband, Graves, and my adorable little dog, Riggs. Now let's learn how to create a soul crush in love that lasts. Hit subscribe in your podcast app so that simply by listening, you can rekindle your relationship by pouring a little gas on your relationship ember. This podcast is for informational purposes and should not be misconstrued for specific relationship advice. For advice for your specific relationship, seek a local couples therapist for relationship counseling for couples therapy. Okay, everybody, thank you so much for rejoining Relationships Like the Podcast. Today, I have a special guest who was sharing about business and shared a little bit of his personal life, which had me very interested because one of the biggest things I noticed in my profession is when you're personal life is struggling. It can be really hard to get work done. It can be really hard to focus, to concentrate, to to achieve your goals and dreams when that's not on track. And this person started speaking and I was like, what am I going to take away from this today? I do psychology all day long. And he started speaking and I was captivated and I was very engaged and wanted to learn everything he had to say, even though some of it um, was part of what I do for work. And it, he just put a whole other spin on everything, presented it so well. I was nervous to ask him to come on the show and I messaged him and he said, yes. So I'm so excited. So who am I talking about? I am talking about Anthony Trucks. He's a former foster child, NFL football player and competitor on American Ninja Warrior. He's an author, life coach, and entrepreneur. So book coming out, Identity Shift on August 24th. So make we're going to link the link the link to that book in our show notes. So you can check it out if you are drawn to Anthony, just the way I was. So from being a former, former foster child to the NFL, to successful business owner, Anthony has accomplished what statistics would say is impossible. Now as a speaker, success coach, Anthony teaches people how to design and build better lives and businesses by learning how to access the power of their identity to tap into their full potential and make shift happen. So welcome, Anthony. So happy to have you here. Hey, thank you for having me. We are, we are ready to rock and roll. We're all set. I know what we're going to do. It's going to be cool stuff. I'm sure. Yeah, we're going to, we're going to go with it. Well, actually, so Anthony did this really cool thing when we got on this call today. So most people that you don't know very well, you're like, how are you? They're like, good. You're like, good, cool. Let's just go with it. And he didn't actually start that way today. He started out telling me that there was a blip in his Mm -hmm. life and that he actually is going to have to do some redirection. And we just kind of jokingly said, oh, he's going to have to apply his own stuff. But actually, can you just tell me why you told me the truth about your blip in your day? Because I feel like that was a very beautiful and rare moment. Really? That's, yeah, not, I that's, think, not, that's not good. That's not good for the world. That tells me that more people don't tell you the truth. <laughs> well, I don't know. So they start off saying good. Like you just go with social pleasantries and you're like, yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm good. Good. Yeah. Good. I, I know how to be one way and that's the only way I know how to be. And I don't, I don't like, it takes more energy to be the other way. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's the, it's the simplest answer. I guess I can give you. I'm not really good at lying at all. I don't even like lying to my wife about like, so like we'll do like diet stuff. And if I, for some reason, have like a bad snack, I'll tell her, I don't like having Ooh. darkness in my heart in any way. So like, that's an extreme. Obviously I'm not, I have no reason to tell you the truth or lie to you, like anything specific, but you asked a question. And so I, I don't know how else to just tell you like, everything's great and I'm amazing. Yeah. And it's, you know, so not, but I wasn't, I don't know, like the life's not falling apart over here. So that's okay. Yeah. But no, I just told you what's really going on. That's, that's, uh, that sucks. It sucks. I guess in my head it sucked. Cause that tells me a lot about the world I live in that 
that it's a unique thing for someone to tell you that things aren't always perfect. I think they do when you know them well. And I think I feel as though I shock people sometimes because I sometimes won't do the social pleasantry. And and you did say, I'm like, yes, tell me. I'm part of my life. What I love is people that tell me things. Hence, I'm a psychologist. I'm like, yes, tell me all the things. This is great. Yeah. Um, but I just thought it was such a, like, also, as you can see, I thought it was a teachable moment to just invite people in to share. We don't always have to say we are fine or no. good. And he just, it wasn't dramatic. It was like, yeah, blip in my day. But I think even that sometimes can just be letting people in, in a way that feels comfortable to like, yeah, it, it's not always sunshine and rainbows and normal people, successful people have a moment sometimes that isn't always great. And when we share more, we let people into what our worlds are really, really like. Yeah, I think so. Especially my, my world's about connection. Like I have to, I have to keep in mind that my nothing that I have in my head, it will be of any value or be accepted unless I actually connect to somebody. So maybe my doing that is a natural thing I do to connect. Cause I do realize if I'm with somebody and I get to know what they're experiencing or what's going on, it, it does give other people permission to like, Oh, okay. Like, yeah, he's okay. Hey, things aren't that great for me either. Right. I'm not mm-hmm. seeking and trying to get people to do it, but I, I I've got to go and lean on the fact that possibly part of me knows or just inherently or naturally instinctually does it now. Yeah. So just like connect to people. And so we're going to sit here for an hour and talk. I should probably yeah. like connect you know, like it'd be kind of cool. Yeah. So that's probably why I shared. I don't know. It's interesting. It is interesting. I, as we just started talking, I was like, this is interesting and on my mind. And as soon as you did it, I was like, I am so interested in this. And so <laughs> there, there we are, but uh, yeah. Okay, oh. great. But I think what you just said is actually very important about connection because we can only connect through vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And it's sometimes in those small moments that it doesn't have to be super deep to, to begin to connect. It's just in those little bits of sharing, the little bits of hard stuff. And that's each um, little bit of hard stuff when you meet someone or you get to know someone and they respond well over time. You're like, oh, okay, I told them that little thing. I told them that little thing. So now that I have a bigger thing, would I feel safe with this person? Or if you don't tell them anything, then you never know if they're actually going to be safe with the harder stuff or not. And so- yeah, I think like if you're building connection, like you said, so important. Maybe it was just intuitive, but I thought it was cool. There you go. Hey, I feel good. <laughs> yeah. So take us back. I mean, I'm particularly interested, as I told you, in some of the story between you and your your wife. But I guess take us back whether I know that story wound into a bit of your childhood. So I want you to just take us back a little bit wherever feels good or comfortable or natural to you to the beginning of some of your relationship story. That's where I want to go. So whether that's you as yeah. a child, you as a football player. What, what comes up for you when I say, take me to the beginning? The beginning, back, back in the time. No, I don't know. It's, uh, you know, I think there's a tie to me that I'm well aware of that has to do with connection to the main woman in my life, right? So I was given away in a foster care as a kid. So there's always that desire to be desired. And, and I'm well aware of it and I accept that it exists and therefore it's okay. And also at the same time, it doesn't, it doesn't hinder anything, right? It's not like this weird attachment neuroses, right? It's, it's the fact that like, I, I find that that relationship matters to me. So I treat it as if it matters to me. And so with that, and when things happen in my relationship, like it, it turns me off to where I can't function in the world properly if that's broken. So I can't, I'm not even any good at my job if my home isn't sound. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll lead with that, I guess, takes me back to the beginning, right? Then when you look at the relationship that I had, we were both young. We were 16 years old. I had, I don't think I might have had one girlfriend prior to that possibly, I think a lot of it had to do with self-worth stuff too. I was, you know, like the, the sole black kid, like in an all white community. And I just kind of felt weird, like an outcast and didn't like, a, just very awkward. And so, you know, this girl comes along and we're in high school hanging out and 
And I, I don't know what it was, but like, it was just, she just had life, you know, I guess best way to explain, you know, some people just have life, they're lively. And she had a lot of life and she was lively, but she's also got her grades taken care of, took care of herself. She was sound. And I think part of me was like also attracted, like she was also a stable person, played sports. So there was congruencies there, hang out in the yeah. same kind of circle of friends. And I don't know when we first got together, it wasn't like anybody said, Hey, you want to, want to go out? Cause that's what you do back in the day. Like, will you be my girlfriend? You know? Like, yeah. Me, me. Yeah. And never, 16. Never Maybe it. a note. Yeah, no, we just <laughs> we started hanging out and then that was it. And we started doing more than hanging out, you know, like stuff you probably shouldn't be doing. If my kids did, I would beat the hell out of them kind of stuff. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, we just started. It was just a relationship that, that was blossom. And at the time, we had a lot going on in terms of life adjusting and, and this anchored person was there. So she when we got together, her mom and dad, she experienced they got divorced. No one in the family knew why all of a sudden the family broke open. It just cracked and disappeared. Right. So that was like a very traumatic situation for her and never, it never made sense. So she ended up living with her mom in a separate house and her brother and uh, well, her stepbrother and stepsister went with her dad. So they separated the whole family. At the same time, I was going through the situation of like, my mom is sick. My older brother's off in the military. I've got things going on with football, you know, and this kind of like this weird thing. And we just connected. And I think we're, where we as human beings, are good at doing things. We're good at finding ways to distract ourselves with things that are like short, quick, you know, joys. So hanging out, partying, maybe drinking, you know, doing things like it becomes like, that's my person. This is my outlet. It's my person. Like they fill that little, the existential vacuum, they fill that hole. Mm -hmm. And so we just started bonding quickly, deeply. Right. I was at her house all the time. Like her mom be like, I'm gonna go out because her mom's newly single. I'm gonna go out and hang out. Is Anthony there? Cool. So mom felt good leaving, you know, and my mm -hmm. family, super dysfunctional. It's like they didn't care where I was at as long as I just wasn't dead. And so I'd just be gone. I would like get up at midnight, like, oh, I got to go home. I got school tomorrow. So like mm -hmm. I drive home and I get back up the next day for school. So it was just weird. I tell you the story of it. it was deeply bonded. So by senior year, you know, we're 18 years old. And like I told a girl I loved her. I loved her. I was like, I love you. Genuinely in a car in front of her house at one point. It was like, that's weird. And I'm like, yeah, but it's true. So let's just keep moving. So yeah. kept doing our thing. And, and sure enough, man, by the time we get to the end of high school, like I was homecoming king. She was a senior athlete of the year. Like she balled out. And then I actually and her, we were the cutest couple. They called the Hollywood couple in our yearbook. So Aww. that's how the relationship started, man. Cutest couple. She's a senior athlete. I'm the guy. Like it was just that little weird fairy tale thing. I mean, it sounds like there was something really um, special about the way you two got together. You were both having really hard times in your own personal lives and in your family. And you grew together and went through that experience together. And you were each other's kind of sounds like rock in different ways. You just provided that support. And it sounds like, you know, we skipped over a whole bunch there, but it sounds like your mutual support of each other put you in a position where you could be that solid couple. You're achieving athletically mm -hmm. and something about the support and the connection between you two helped propel you forward. And maybe without that, I mean, who, who knows how things would have gone, but it sounds like you were very yeah. supportive for each other. Yeah, it worked out, man. In fact, if I didn't get my grades properly and in, in, like in place, I don't go to college. Like I've grew up in a family where I'm the only person to have gone to college in my immediate family and my extended like uncles, aunts. Nobody. College was not a thing. It's not still. Mm -hmm. does it, no one does. I'm the only person. Right. And the reality was like I was athletically capable, but my academics weren't there. My mom and dad, I don't know if my entire life they ever even cared about my report card. I don't even, I'm not even joking. I don't think my mom ever even like asked what my grades were. I, you know, some kids are scared because report cards coming home. Not me. <laughs> like I didn't, mm -hmm. this didn't care. So I didn't have skill sets to study. None of that, but she did. And so when I was, uh, 
junior, I had got this opportunity, like it was looking like I could actually go play college football, but grades weren't right. But she was able to, you know, help me hunker down and figure out how to study, how to take my tests, all that fun stuff. Funny thing is, is I've always been an intelligent human. It's just yeah. been the homework thing. I scored like I scored higher than her on the SAT. <laughs> like I, I have the, the information that like when I need to, but I am not the guy like I'm not doing homework. Yeah. I might the class. It might not. You know, I just I'm not an idiot. I just didn't care. I didn't wasn't taught and didn't care about doing the stuff academically. Right. Which is great that she does it because now our kids are all like straight A's, all of them, all straight wow. A's sons 4.0 but it's not like this thing that it's they're not book nerds they're all athletes but like it's a common thing in our house like we do dope stuff we do it right <laughs> oh that's awesome i mean it sounds like you both must be obviously intelligent and then a skill she was able to like teach or hone was like how do you actually apply that the way the academic system needs you to yep yeah so. she's, that's her thing i'm she's like she's like book smart street stupid i'm like street stupid uh, i guess i'm book smart so i'm i'm just dope i'm doper than her i'm better <laughs> Doper. Yes. Yes. Awesome. Nah, she's, good. she's got, she's type a structure. She's dialed in academics. She's got that stuff handled. I'm just smart. So it's a difference there. Smart people are not always academically sound. Fair. It's true. Yeah. So take us that. So then you get to college. Like what's next? Oh uh, yeah. So we get to college. So we go, well, she goes to UC Davis and just, you guys know, I'm playing around. Like, I'm not really like, I don't talk in my house. Like I'm like I'm this, I, you know, just, I'm just having fun. <laughs> yeah, we, we have arguments. She hates when I say that she's street stupid too. She absolutely don't tell me I said that. She's like, I hate it when you say that, but she gets it. It's not like she's street, but she can handle herself. She'll like go out there. She's a beast. But then like, she does have questions on things and I'm like, that's a question right now. Okay. So anyway, but we go to college and, uh, and we have to figure out life. Cause now I go to university of Oregon. She goes to UC Davis. We're about eight hours away from each other. And we do the long distance thing. And, and the long distance thing was not working very well for us. And, and so as we did this long distance thing, we kind of had to figure out how's it going to transpire. Now, I, funny enough, proposed to her at 18 years old. We were at, we were at some spot in some rock overlooking Eugene, Oregon. When I was in college. I'm like, marry me. And she's like, all right. <laughs> and so it was like this little rock, like little itty bitty ring. It was like a hundred bucks. I don't even think there was a diamond in it. I think they just carved the metal to make it shiny. I don't think it was actually a diamond there. And, uh, they call it a Millie. It's like a speck of dust. <laughs> Anyways. So we're like, all right, we're going to married. And then we do the distance thing. And it was hard, man. I, I, again, because of the way I'm built and what I do, I don't step out. So I'm in college in Oregon as an athlete and all the girls want the athletes, right? I just, I stayed very stable, very just, you know, I, I was, I was honestly a good guy. That's just, it mm -hmm. made it simple. So um, I didn't, I didn't have to worry about it. I just cut myself off. I didn't go to parties. I didn't hang out. I don't know, just faithful, simple way to put it. And we were like, the distance thing wasn't working. And so she's like, well, you know, it's interesting. Your school has the number two school in the country for what it is that I do. I was like, oh, well, look at that right there. So she comes up to Oregon and her family says, hey, go up there, take care of school. I don't mind. You know, she was going to come live with me. Funny thing, I lived in the dorms. You know, mm -hmm. technically it's illegal for a third person to live in the dorms. But my RA was cool because I'm a cool guy. I don't cause problems. <laughs> Yeah. Like, she could stay over. I'm like every night forever. Yeah. All right. So she did. And we, you know, we took care of stuff anyways, but they're like, don't get pregnant, go up there, hang out. And then like six months later, she's pregnant. So we're, we're like figuring out like, all right, we're college athletes and I'm a college athlete. She's a, just a student. And we just started navigating it, man. And to be honest, it was like our little family it began. Yeah. Old, that, that dude is now senior in high school. He's going to college next year. It's so Holy weird. smokes. Yeah. Time. 
he time flies, but he's a great human being. Like he's a, it's a really cool that like he's straight A's athletic. He's got his track thing going. He's all tall, dark and handsome, weird kid, a little punk. Sometimes <laughs> armpits smell more than it should. Sometimes he doesn't wash his armpits and it's weird to me. I'm like, bro, is that you? Yeah, I took a shower. Why did you not choose to wash the sweaty armpits, man? Still Kids. learning about that. He's still learning. I uh, hope he hears his podcast. I hope he hears this. He probably won't. So anyways, we have this situation. We come home. Yeah, we, um, I, I'm, I got a kid and she's got the mom and I'm figuring all this stuff out. Funny thing in the same window of time as we have this kid and we're, you know, I'm just this college student. Now I'm a dad, dad and college student. I come to find my biological dad's real name. And oh. so I'm, oh, that's interesting. So I find his name. I search him on the internet because back then it was you could kind of like search still and you could find people. You could do it even worse now. And I think about it. That was a bad caveat. Anyway, bring it back to normal people. Here we go. So then I look the name up. There are three in the country Ooh, that actually have that name. And so I call and sure enough. Yeah. He, uh, yeah. He's the guy. And he's like, yeah, I'm your dad. And like, it's this weird like conversation. He's like, I had no idea you existed. Fast mm. forward like nine years. We come to find he did know. He just didn't know what to say when some guy right. called 20 years old, like I'm your son. You're like, um, you know, but he's, first generation Nigerian. Like he's, he's got a thick Nigerian accent. And so, um, so yeah, man, it was this weird kind of like bubble of college of I've got this relationship. I got this kid. I was a present dad. I, the thought of having a kid is always every moment since I've known I was to have a kid has always been a joy to me. Wow. I really, I get to give back to this life in a way that wasn't given to me. It was never a stress, never a, a problem. I was like, do I, I got this. Like, this is gonna be cool. And it's been cool, man. I've always, I've always enjoyed being a dad. I, I'm not like a, I'm not like a dad, dad, you know, I'm like a, I wouldn't even say I'm a cool dad. Cause I'm not a cool dad. I'm a dope dad, but I have fun. Like I, yeah, we do stuff. I move I, because I'm young. I can still, I'm still active, but I still parent them. They are my children. I must prepare them yeah. for the world. So I'm very aware of that kind of thing. I'm not like that. Yeah. You want to smoke weed kind of my house to smoke weed. I'm like some of a bee, but I touched that damn weed. What's the point of that? Like, anyways, so that was our kind of thing. And we kind of anchored that deeply. And so we had a super, super, deep bond, like best friend upon best friend, you know, mother of my child, college students together, all of that combined, you smash it up. And we had a super, super cool relationship. I mean, it sounds like everything you two went through, whether distance was hard, you had a child early on, like your priority was having this family together. And it sounds like early on, you just knew that when you were going to be committed, you were committed and you were, that was what you wanted. And you committed yourself to that somewhere inside you. That was just the way that you were wired. And that were, that was your focus. Mm -hmm. That's it. I'm down. I like to focus. Then I like to move. I don't like to do all the distractions. That doesn't help me. It doesn't sound like it does. So if, if we can, can you fast forward? I know. So we're hearing about this really beautiful story and about how you have this amazing child that needs to learn about armpit washing. But other than that, like beautiful family, <laughs> beautiful child, all this stuff is going right. So what happens that it's stopped going so right? And, and what happens between you two, you and your wife? Life, life happens. Yeah. Yeah. Now we, uh, <laughs> so I go to the NFL. NFL's mm -hmm. great. You know, it's a cool experience. It sucks. It's, it's great. And it sucks at the same time. It's great because you get to experience a world-class level, right? You get mm -hmm. to truly experience it. It sucks for me because I was never a guy, like I was always fighting and, and everybody's always fighting, right? Everybody's trying to find a way to climb the ladder to be a star. It's just so hard. So many guys want your job. It's political. It's, it's physically draining, mentally draining, all that. And on top of that, I'm away from the family, man. I got a son, I got a wife and I can't, I'm not even with them. It's just, I'm gone. Like I, every season I was gone like seven of 10 months, 
you know, and it's not like, hard. yeah, it's not like three months together. It's like, I'm here for a week. I'm there for two weeks. And I'm just gone, 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 yeah. gone. And so it just, it kind of sucks. And I didn't, I mean, I tried to move him out at one point, but then as soon as he moved him out, they got, I got cut. So it's like, all right, we're not going to do that anymore until we're stable. And it's just mm-hmm. hard to get stable. So that all does this thing and we're good. Like, you know, there's no problems. Like it's just, we're living our life, doing our thing. It's still cool. Her husband plays the NFL, da, 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 da. you know, it's all great. And then I tear my shoulder playing football with the Pittsburgh Steelers against the Philadelphia Eagles in 2008. And I come home and this is where all crap breaks loose. Cause I come home and there's a lot that goes on in a sense of having to accept the fact that my career was over because essentially I was the football player. And when you've spent any kind of time developing anything and you've put your all into it and it's who you are and you wake up one day and can't do it, whether it's choice because you chose to or by chance like I had, well, you are met with this massive crisis of who am I, where do I fit, what do I do? And it's hard to have a relationship with two people where, where only one is happy. Mm-hmm. I don't think it works well because then what happens is either I bring negative energy in or I'm coming in to steal your happy and yeah. either way it doesn't work. So I came home and, you know, I, I didn't have the happy. And on top of that, I think there was also that aspect of for her, she started having the thoughts of like curiosity of like this. I've been with this guy since I was 16. Yeah. Is there somebody, could there be somebody else? You know, yeah. is, there, is there a better way to live life? And then I'm over here, you know, I opened this gym business and I'm like, I'm gonna run this gym business. And I really did it to try to build and bolster my identity and my sense of self again. But I neglected everything. We had two more kids. So we have twins. Wow. And, and then, so, so on top of you got multiples, which that in and of itself statistically is not fun for relationship, right? No. And so we got multiples. We're young. I, I'm, I got an identity crisis post football. If you look at the statistics, football players, 73 plus percent go bankrupt within the first three years, leaving the game. So like, it's a dang tornado. It is a ticking time bomb, right? And, and we're out in Hawaii. I'm taking a trip. I don't even know why we were out in Hawaii, <clears throat> but we're out there. And like, I come to find in her phone that she's texting some dude. And now I'm like aware of like, she's having an affair. And that like mm-hmm. breaks, breaks my soul. Cause yeah. for me, it wasn't just the, the betrayal, but it was like the removal of a family unit that I didn't ever, you know, I didn't grow up with. So that's like the anchor to me. Yeah. And, and feeling like I was now subjecting my children to the kind of lifestyle that I had of no dad in the house, just weird stuff. And it just spun. So next thing I know, I'm out of shape. The relationship's failing. I feel like a bad dad. You know, the business is failing. It just, all this stuff that made Anthony, Anthony suck. And so now our, our marriage falls apart. I hate her guts. I'm living in like a, a 500 square foot studio apartment behind one of my staff's girlfriend's house. My kids are sleeping in an air mattress next to me. Like it was, it was crazy. Like, crazy i'm telling you it wasn't the there wasn't a fun like oh it's fun crazy it was like i hate my life crazy at one point i was suicidal i was like i don't want to live his life anymore man this all sucks like this is not very fun and when you go through those journeys man it's it's dark 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 bottoms and then my, i've lost my mom to ms so like now my mom's not there so yeah i just had a lot of tornado and the relationship it imploded it sounds like uh, a terrible terrible storm and I can only imagine coming out of the NFL, something you've worked your life for. You've been an athlete your whole life uh, coming out, not because you want to, it sounds like because of injury. Yeah. And what I think people don't realize is that such a loss and it can, it can be so crippling in like the end of a very special relationship. What, what, um, very different situation than you, but the, 
one of the biggest losses in my entire life is I was on the national team for Taekwondo in Canada. And due to political stuff, I'd been training for most of my life. I was in my early 20s. And um, I made this team training 35 hours a week. And then all of a sudden, I lived in Western Canada at the time. They decided Western Canada didn't get to go. And not mm. because of my choice, just suddenly I couldn't go. And it felt like my whole world was crumbling. At the same time, my brother went into addictions treatment and I put on 60 pounds in two months. And yeah. that was the beginning of my life falling apart. Why I'm a psychologist today, but it all, it felt like when it rained, it poured. And I lost my identity with my athleticism. I lost my brother, went into rehab for drug addiction. My family was falling apart as you're speaking. I just relate to so much of that. And I, I have a sense of the loss and the despair and like talking about a storm and I'm feeling like the swirl of a tornado being on the inside and there's gray everywhere. And you're like, where is the out? I don't yeah. know. And then couple that I can just only imagine how easy it would be for the family, like to not be as present for, to bring home the unhappy. And then to catch that message, it's like, you're already in a tornado. I just feel like you're in it. And then like the bottom falls out Yeah, it does. and there's like, it just sounds like a crippling the storm my as as i'm getting you to retell the story i feel emotional thinking about your life thinking about being in that perspective as i remember being in my own scenario that is is different but also has some some similarities so i just want to thank you for sharing part of your story and i'm i'm curious like at this point today you're in such a different position so can you begin to help us understand what you did to go from that low place in your the back of your buddy's girlfriend's place, or is that what you said? Where you know you're going yeah. to the place, you have these two kids, you're not feeling like a great father, your mm -hmm. your relationship is destroyed, you've lost your mom to MS. There's yeah. so much that's happened here. How do you how do you pick yourself up from that when you're feeling like you don't even want to live? Oh man, a bunch of blue moons at lunch. That helps. <laughs> Momentarily, yeah. maybe. Yeah, no, I, I it's funny. I would actually go to work in the gym in the morning. And then I would actually come back home at lunchtime, like around lunch. I would, I would pack away a, a good six pack of blue moon and some weird snacks. And then I'd be a little buzzy buzzed and I would shoot back to the gym a few hours later and get back to work telling people to be healthy. <laughs> it was weird. Fake it till you make it. Hey, and then, and then to be honest, man, I, this is, and this isn't proud. I don't say this to be like, yeah, but like I, you know, you have multiple partners. He's running around and doing dumb stuff and you get a bunch of phone messages and conversations going and you, it looks good on TV, right? Like have a bunch of girls you talk to yeah. and then you do it. And it's like, what in the hell is this? Every person's like a full person, you know, like, and I was never disrespectful. I was never rude. I was never way like any, any negative to any women, but, and I was actually transparent. I was like, I, I just, you know, like, I don't, I, I don't have a desire to be with you. Like we'll hang out. You have me for that night, but you're not going to have me after that probably. And oddly women were cool with that. It was just very, it was, it was odd. It was a weird world. It was like the beginning of Tinder age, which is probably worse from what I've heard now. And, and, but here's the thing as, as fun as some people think it is, it was so empty and draining. Yeah. I, I think I just want, I know I just wanted to have companionship. I was just, you know, I, since 16 years old, I had somebody there. So yeah. nobody there and no kids on, so I had four day weekends, custody battle. Yeah. So kids are over there for four days. I drop them off on Thursday at school and I don't have them for Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or Monday. It's like, what do I do with myself? And if there's no sports, it's just me. So it's very just weird. And so I just, you don't want to be alone. And so what happens is you start having a bunch of interconnected, you know, hearts and, and conversations. And to be quite honest, like it just wasn't, it got to a point where it wasn't anything that I felt in any way proud of. In fact, there was one, like I'd woke up new year's day, January, 2016, and there was a woman I'd flown out from Russia of all places. Didn't even speak English. We use Google translate to communicate. It was a sheerly physical, lustful thing. Mm -hmm. That's it. 
she was an awesome woman from what I could communicate, understand, and what it seemed like. Yeah. But it was just, it was just straight sex, to be quite honest. That's all it was. It was just, and it was very emptying and draining, I guess, figuratively and literally. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so bad. This is so bad. Anyways, so I wake up. This is how it actually happens. I wake up on New Year's Day and I walk in the bathroom and it just hit me like this absolute wave of, man, I don't like this guy. Mm. Like I have a daughter and I would absolutely be disgusted if she was with a guy like me. I have boys and my boys, I would, I would knock them out if they were acting like I was. My mom would never let me do this kind of stuff. And my God, I'm a man of faith. I'm so far away from my faith right now. There's no way conceivable that God lets me into heaven. And so for me, like I had this wave and it was, it's weird. It was two years after my mom passed, almost two years. And that's what it took for me to wake up. Like most people assume, like when my mom passed away, I had a really big awakening of like, I got to live life better. But yeah. it, it for some reason didn't put, I wish it could be like, it pushed me to, to you know, but you're, when you're deep in patterns, you need more than just a, you know, somebody passing in mourning. You, you need like something where it hits you, like you are not okay. And that was mm-hmm. the moment. You know, it wasn't some amazing sky cracked open and I heard the sound of trumpets, you know, like it wasn't anything like that. It was like, I woke up and I was like, I hate you. I don't like you. Mm-hmm. And that was the catalyst. And that, that was the journey that led the relationship back. But here's what I didn't know. Simultaneously, we'll call it on the other side of the relationship. Dun, dun, my, dun. my ex-wife, she was doing her stuff too, man. She's drinking, partying. Funny thing, she was way worse than I was. <laughs> like she was, I didn't drink very much. Like she was yeah. out there partying, drinking, playing softball, doing her thing, running amok. I think part of it was like, she had some shame of what she'd done. And I was really good at making her feel it. Right. Cause that's what I can do when you're hurt, you hurt people. Yes. So I was that. And when I started doing my work, one of the things I realized early on was like, I wasn't, I wasn't the best husband. I wasn't the best father. And I'd never admitted that. And so it ended up happening with them in this realm of, of life where I'm making her feel like it's all her. And I, I got to a point of like, dang, you know, some of this is on me. Like she made a horrible choice, but it took two people to get to the point of, of even thinking she had to make a choice. Right. I was, I was mm-hmm. part of the process to guide her there. So she was doing her thing and her brother, who's an interesting guy, man, he's, he's been, he's been in jail. He's done his whole thing. He, he gives her this book by Joyce Myers that we can only assume he got while breaking into cars or something. I don't know. And he has this this faith-based book and he gives it to her and she just put it next to her bed. And there was a Sunday where she woke up and I had the kids and she's like, the house was empty and she had, you know, had been hung over and no one call. And it was her. And she looked at her life and said, there's no way that I can live like this the rest of my life. This is not okay. And she picks the book up and she starts reading and finds God. She'd been a Catholic most of her life, but never a Christian. I tried to get her to go to church before when I was like dialed, it wasn't her thing. And this all of a sudden hits. This is at the other side of my world. He's does she's doing that on my side. I'm like, Anthony, you suck. Figure it out. And so I did work, man. I had a lot of deep conversations with a lot of people that were really hard. Like I even went and talked to the guy she had an affair with at like a really hard conversation there. Like wow. It's just it's a lot, a lot of things I went and uncovered and did that most people would never even consider doing. At yeah. this point, I can see him and I'm not gonna, we're not friends, right? But I can give him a nod and press on my day. And I don't, I don't carry darkness anymore. So fast forward about 10 months, was it 10, probably like eight months. And she goes, Hey, I want to take the kids on a vacation for like three weeks and get out of this place. We live in a smaller town. Like everybody knows everybody. She's like, I just want to get out of here. There's, there's a lot of chatter and stuff going on. I, just, I don't want to deal with it. 
you know, but I also know you can't be away from the kids. Would you be okay with, you know, going on vacation with us? Like we're not together. Yeah. We'll be in yeah. separate places. We're going to go to Costa Rica because it's safe just to get away. For me at the time, I was doing like an online business. I'm like, yeah, I'll go. I, I At this time, I had kind of come back to dating. I was talking to one woman. I kind of come back. I was trying to, you know, the whole, like I was actually being a good guy. And so nothing bad, like I'll go. And so while I'm on this trip, like I'm still talking to this, this other woman, but then like we start having conversations when you're in a country where not everybody doesn't speak English. Not everybody does. There's a lot, you know, a lot of expats, but it's mostly Spanish and I don't speak Spanish. You have one person to talk to. So we just sit there. We just talk. But it was mm-hmm. at this time, like I had finally been disconnected from the motion. It took three years, but I finally like, I didn't care. Mm-hmm. Like, seriously, I'm telling Amber, I didn't, I didn't care. I did. She yeah. could say things wouldn't piss me off. I was just, ah, oh, yeah. Okay. No, yeah. It was my fault. Oh, you know, you just, you just kind of do your thing. And then what it turned into was us in a, in a level of, of life, getting to know each other. The way I tell people, it's like, I got to know someone for the first time that I'd known for 16 years, you know, it's yeah. vast, different connections. So what it turned into was, a, a, I want to say it wasn't a friendship. It was just like, we had a communication, we had a connection we had amicability it was amicable yeah. after a lot of years. Right. And so we then go three weeks and we come home and I'm, I'm going to, I'm, I've been away three weeks from this woman. I'm like, let's go on a date. I'll get back. Let's go on a date. And so, you know, I say, I'm going to go on a date. Can you watch the kids? She's like, yeah, watch the kids. No big deal. And the day before the date, she comes over and goes, Hey, I want to try this again. Mm-hmm. And I go, how did you, you feel? Oh, she yeah. says that. What happens to you? Horrible. It was horrible, man. Well, it, well, it's, it was, it was bad because like, I, you know, I'm like, Oh, what do I do? Obviously she ruined the date. It really ruined the date. I can there's, imagine. A, there's a reason why though. Cause in the back of my head, I'm like, is she finally going to be the person that I need? Am I the right guy? Is this, could this actually work? And then your head's over here when you got somebody here you're trying to connect with. So yeah, I, I had, yeah. I had nothing to connect over here. It's the only time I felt bad for the person I was with. Cause I was like, I wasn't fully present. It was, it was, wasn't fully present. And and I, you know, kind of let that person know what was going on. And it was just a weird dynamic. And so I, we came back and, and I told her, I said, look, here's the thing. When you did your stuff, man, all the people that are closest to me, like you did some crazy, she did some crazy stuff, by the way. I'm like, I can't, I can't subject myself to, to this situation, this trial again, but also subject myself to losing friends. Cause I probably would if they don't give my blessing. And to be quite honest, there's nothing I could say to them for them to get it. I've said it all before. I've tried to yeah. condone, justify. They're not going to hear me. So you got to do it. She's like, oh, okay. And she said, okay. But I didn't know she's going to do it. Mm. So I had, to, I had to take a trip up north to go film something with a buddy, Brendan Burchard. It was like this course we were doing for fitness. So we go up there and I'm filming it. And I come back after like four days and she'd watch the kids. And she, uh, she had gone to these people and they called me and go, hey, I just want to let you know I talked to Christina. Like, well, why would you talk to Christina? They're like, well, she, she called me and, and drove out to me and then had a hard conversation. I'm like, she did what? And then lo and behold, they're like, yeah. And, and she asked if, if I'd be okay with you guys trying again. And I said, yeah. I was like, oh, did you? I was like, oh, <laughs> all right. And so everybody said, yeah. And so, oh. we're like, oh. so we tried again. And now we're, we're coming up on five years back together and in an amazing marriage. And it's been a stupid long journey of ups and downs and crazy, but my marriage is stronger now than I, I honestly could ever imagine one could be. My kids have a present father and a present mother. I get to take care of my body. I get to do something that I love. I can do it because I have love, right? It's just a weird thing. And we created something 
and you hear all the time, you can't have the same relationship because it'll, it'll break again. And you're right. It will, but you can have the same people in a different relationship. Yeah. So we have the same humans, different people, same humans in a different relationship. And it's vastly better. There's, there's no issue. I don't have, I can't tell you besides the things like she's weird and she does her awkward stuff. Every human will do that. Right. But there's nothing that's like a, that's going on in my life that I consider and be like, I, I, I hate it. Like, it's all good. It's really weird. But yeah. our marriage is one that is strong and, and connected and it's communicative and it's supportive and it works weirdly well. Well, thank you so much for sharing some of that. And is it okay if I apply, if I talk some theory about what you just told me? Hell yeah. Let me know what I don't know. Cause that's always fun. Okay. Well, I, I just think what's really interesting is kind of twice it, you described the story of getting to know your wife and, and cultivating a deep connection with her once when you're 16 and going through very heavy things, both of you. And then again, in Costa Rica as adults, cause you like have no choice, mm-hmm. but what you described both of those times is building friendship. And so there's a theory by the Gottmans and it's called the sound relationship house and the base of their house. You can't have, you know, walls of a house and the roof of a house. If you don't have a base and the base is what's called a love map. And a love Mm -hmm. map is a deep knowing of your partner's inner world, which is essentially building friendship. And it sounds like in both of those cases, you're building the foundation. Yeah. And, and I think that's what strikes me about just you two spending some time and talking. And one of the things that I work on with my couples at any stage of marriage, whether it's beginning, middle, later is continuing to build and cultivate that. Cause when you're deep friends with someone, when you really like someone, it's hard to hurt them. And the more yeah. you're great friends, the better, like you get along and the less, the less conflicts go sideways because you like that person. Yeah, exactly. And so I heard you building that. And the other amazing thing I heard is after people go through infidelity, there's like kind of a three-stage model, a tone, a tune, attach. And the first stage is atonement. In that stage of making things better, you go through like taking responsibility for where you were wrong, like committing to that person that you're in it. And one of the things that is often a barrier is friends and figuring out how the person who um, was unfaithful can, can give a show that they are with that person and making that clear to all of the friends. And then the person who was hurt, um, also, sometimes they have to talk to their friends about this is my relationship and this is how I want it to be. But what I think is amazing that she did is she had those hard conversations and that's kind of part of an atonement phase of healing where you're really taking responsibility for where you have, have wronged. And you're going to not just at times that partner, but the other people that you've wronged along the way and saying like, this is my, this is my bit. Like, yes, there was other things going on, but I'm the person that crossed this line. And like, let me have those hard conversations with you. Let me take that responsibility because when we do that, it paves the path to look at, okay, here, here's the mistakes I made. And now we can look at how we got there together. But until very often that person who crossed that line, who was unfaithful takes accountability. It's hard to look at the other person's part too, and to talk about it as a union. And it sounds like throughout your story, there's lots of things that doesn't make me surprised that you two end up happy together. I mean, there's a lot of story I don't know, but there's a few things here that, yeah, it's, uh, it's, stand out as important. And I wonder how we got there, man. Cause I, none of, I didn't read any books on this stuff. I wasn't like going on to figure it out. It was, it was seriously just winging it. Like uh, this, this sounded right. I've always been oddly like logical and how I think things through. Yeah. So some part of me logically was like, well, I can't do this if my people, my friends aren't cool. So I get the atonement thing. At the same time, it was like, we, we were never going to get anywhere if I never actually at any point in time saw her side. There's that Soon Sue statement. He says, when you learn to, to like, when you finally learn or understand your enemy, you learn to love them. Mm-hmm. Now, not saying she's my enemy at the time she was, I say she felt like it, 
But when I finally understood her position, I was like, oh, damn, man, you have compassion for it. So it feels different. You approach it different. You communicate different. And so, yeah, like these things kind of naturally flow. It's funny. I, I think we can naturally get there, but we have to let the ego subside. I think a lot of us are not willing to let the ego go, go back enough to actually let the real thing needs to be worked on, come out, own things and work through things. So mm-hmm. there's a point in time when I think I just kind of killed the ego. I was like, it ain't helping me. And I was it able to- like- what you naturally did somehow on your own throughout all that phase that you went through is the second phase is what's called attunement. And that's both of you being willing to be empathetic and understand the other person's perspective and see your own part, even if you were the hurt partner in this. And, and it sounds like somehow intuitively you knew that, that you were going to need to do that. And you just stepped into that somehow. Yeah. It worked out. It somehow did. (laughs) Like, and what's interesting so tell me a little bit about like, so you, you two get through this and today, what do you think? So now you're fast forward five yep. years. Mm-hmm. If you could nail down like one, two, three things that you think keeps it strong. What do you think it is? Do you have any ideas? Yeah, I think one is, uh, one is there's, there's always communication and conversation. Like if you don't have friends that you talk to, you can't be friends. So there's always talking. When I say communication, people think it's like we sit, you, I sit there and choose to communicate. No, we just talk to each other and we talk to each other a lot. <laughs> And I'll tell her if she's doing stupid. I'm like, stupid. What are you talking about? It doesn't make any. Why would you do that? And she'll do the same to me. Like, shut up. She, like, I'll make she'll make fun of my singing. And we just do. We just talk all the time. We're always in conversation. We've literally said, like, you know what? It's funny. As much as I'm around you, because she works from home, so do I. But we're always around. She's like, I never get tired of you. I'm like, yeah, I know. It's weird. It's good though, right? Like, yeah. so we just communicate well. Um, we we come to the relationship happy if that makes sense. Like I, I do something that makes me happy in the beginning. I, I used to need her to understand what I do and pay attention, know my business. Cause I, cause you're the person I love. I need you to know what I'm doing. And after a while, like she doesn't want to do it. She's like, I don't, I don't, not that I don't care about you. I just don't care what you do. And so it's not exciting to me. So I can't pay attention. And I was like, ah, you just don't let, I used to think it was a problem. Right. But then I realized like, no, I have other people that will listen to me. Let me go do other stuff with other people. And then I get happy on my side and I can come back to the relationship happy. And then she, because she's not being bombarded by me wanting to, to have her know everything, she has a, she's not angry. And then she just something makes her happy. So we come back to the center point, happy, right? That's one piece. Then we also choose to live life together. Mm-hmm. And that is, when I say live, I mean as a verb. So when she has like her businesses, I am part of how she builds and does and whatever it is, but it's her thing. She needs something fixed. I'm a handyman. She wants to take up doing it. And she did a, uh, we did a half Ironman. I am not built for running. I'm 600 or 600. I'm, I'm <laughs> six foot one, like almost two. I'm like 225, 30 pounds. Like I'm not a, I'm not a distance runner. I'm a former linebacker in the NFL, but she's like, look, I want to do triathlons. I had one of two choices. One, I could sit home while she's training for three, four hours by herself and finding new friend groups and doing new stuff and separating herself from me and she wouldn't go and do anything stupid by any means, but it would be a, a, she'd be building something with different human bonds. And I'm like, well, what if I just did it with you? I don't want to. And I told her, I was like, I am not doing this triathlon because I want to do well, just so you're aware. I'm doing it because I want to be with you. I want to hang out with you for the three, four hours. I want to go and buy food together. I want to prep meals. I want to train. I want to go down, run the race with you. I want to see you when you cross the finish line. I want to do that. I mm-hmm. don't want to run. I don't want to swim. None of that is fun to me. But everything surrounding it, if it's the vessel to get there, I'm down. So we do that. When the kids do stuff, we're, we're there. We live our lives together as opposed to, I think sometimes people are with people because it's convenient. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, no, we talk a lot. 
we are in a space where we, we, we have, we're always living life together. And, and it's like, I do my thing that makes me happy. So I come back to the relationship happy. Yeah. I think those are such great points. Like talking couples, you do need to talk or else you start living parallel lives. You need to um, do things on your own, be happy. Yes. Manage your own mental state, your own mood. And what I love is talking about living life together and making choices to, to compromise and build a life together. It's really easy to be parallel. It's easy to be like, I'm not interested in that. And then not, not do it. But I really, my husband camps and, uh, I got this new purchase. I bought these camping pants. He likes like out, uh, back country camping. We can't front country camp. We got to like boat to our location. And I, you know, I never camped till I met him. Now I am quite the adventure camper. And I just yeah. had to laugh the other day because now, like, if you look at my gear, I've got a backpack, I've got an air, like a little mat. I've got my, you know, sleeping bag that fits in my backpack. And I just bought these very expensive camping pants with all these pockets. So I now know what to wear. And it's like, yeah. you know, I, would I camp without him? Maybe not. But to see us sitting around the campfire and see the smile on his face and know that we built this together, it's this thing. Now it's very enjoyable, not necessarily because I love camping, which I'm growing to like, but I love doing it with him. I get and it. And so it's, it's the choosing to live life together and choosing to have shared interests and hobbies and doing it as a team. And that he does some of these things for me that aren't his favorite, but he likes me. And yeah. it's that choice to grow together. So thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, definitely. So we're like winding down to the end of our, our time. And you just, you know, I feel like you have so much wisdom. You share so vulnerably. If people could take like one or two nuggets from your story and understand how you took something that was horrible and have built a strong relationship and then have a happy life, what do you wish they are hearing from this? Man, you know, you ever drive a car and then when you're driving, you start like going, you're looking in front of you and you start veering side to side before you know it, like you're in the, the side lane or you're in the middle lane, right? I've, I've learned this from driving teachers. They say, well, what you want to do is look at a point like a hundred feet down the road and then it, it oddly steadies your, your path of driving because you're, you're directed towards this as opposed to like left and right in the car over here and you start getting drawn places. And I, I say that metaphorically to say, Whenever we decided to get back together, the idea was like, all right, we're going to have a weird journey. We were well aware of it. We're going to have to relearn how to live together again because there's that. We have to navigate, you know, the memories that somebody else has with somebody else. Hey, remember we went to that movie? No, nah, it wasn't me. You know, like those things are going to pop up. These yeah, things happen. Yeah. And, and now I was wise enough to know they're coming, right? I know they're coming. I'm not still, I watch movies. I think the majority of life is in movies, but people just don't, it's weird. We don't, think about it. Like they made that for a reason, you know, like that's real. Yeah. So I just, I dissipate this stuff and I'm like, here's what I, I know. Whenever we get to the point of things get hard, I want us to like, think of what we want to be at the end of this. And what I realized is like, I want to be like 70, 80 years old next to you on a rocking chair. And knowing that, knowing that's the end destination, as opposed to going back and forth in the, the near side of what somebody says, what somebody thinks, I always want to compare to that distant thing. And so what happens is Somebody says something. Hey, how could you go back with her? Well, because I want to be with her when I'm 80 years old. Why would you want to do that? Because what do I want to do? It's my house. You're not going to be there. I'm going to be 80. You're, you might be dead, bro. Don't worry about what I want to do. You know? so, yeah. so this is how I started living my life. And so what I tell people is if you know the end destination, you're both heading there, the, the journey will be bumpy, but it should dictate decisions at every step of the way. Is, is what I'm going to do right now, what I might say, is that going to keep me on the path to here or is it, is it slamming the brakes or am I turning the wheel on accident? Like I would have to be very naive and stupid to sit here and tell you, I never think about what took place before. 
That's just not realistic. It's it's it happened. I'm aware of it. However, when it happens in the present moment, I go would me making a joke about that or bringing it up. Would that keep would that keep us here or is that slamming the brakes and making a turn on where we want to go and when we're 80 years old? Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I can navigate that internally without having to make a conversation, because even if I spoke about it, she'd be fine with it. But it, it, she wouldn't understand where it goes. It would be an emotional thing. She might say something that triggers me the wrong way. What's the point? It, you know, it's like, it's like, I'm not going to address that now. If there is something that really bothers me, oh, I speak up. We have mm-hmm. great thorough conversations, but, but I'm aware of the things that go on, the things people say. I just have to manage. And if I can give you guys anything is manage based on the end place you're trying to go. Mm-hmm. If you are too short-sighted, you will make the wrong turn you'll you'll go off into a ditch and never make it there and so that that'd be my lesson because that's what we really did when it came down we're like where do you want to be when we're 80 sitting next to each other okay cool everything that comes on the path the pipeline we got to make sure that every decision is geared towards that direction absolutely and i think that lesson so much applies whether you've struggled with healing relationship after betrayal or just in general in relationship it's yeah. so easy to make a wrong turn or slam on the brakes when that is not the direction you're, you're planning to go at all. And I think what a great lesson is I'll just think for a second, what is the goal? Where do we want to be? And sometimes I think I don't even have to go to 80. I just have to go like, where do I want to be when I go to bed tonight? Do I want to be uh, icy in this bed with my husband? Although we're next to each other, it feels like he's a million miles away. Or do I want to feel like he's close and like that companion that is like snuggly next to me, even if we're not even touching. And yeah. at the end of those nights, I want to go to bed with someone that feels safe and like home, not with this icy distance. And mm-hmm. I can keep it just like, how do I want to feel when I go to bed at night? Yeah, and good. even if it, even if I don't like, for sure, there's times it doesn't go to bed and go that way. But mm-hmm. most of the time I know how I want to feel when I'm, when I'm closing my eyes. And so long-term, mm-hmm. I love that. And I think we can even think like, what do we need to feel to get there? and break mm-hmm. it down smaller. So yeah, I love that so much. You're full of wisdom. If people want to hear more from you, where can they find you, follow you, learn about more about your book, fill us in. Yeah. If you go to identityshiftbook.com, uh, it's the best place to go. You get the book and there's some freebies. If you just use the word live uh, as a code, you'll actually be able to get some cool freebies once you've bought the book. Amazing. Thank you so much. I appreciate it more than you'll ever know. Thank you for tuning in to Relationship Psych, the podcast put on by Ember Relationship Psychology. If you're looking for more free relationship help or advice that comes straight from the couple's therapy room, check out the free resources and the blog at www.emberrelationshippsychology.com.